Greetings, cinephiles. Are you looking for a movie analysis podcast that stands above the rest? Then look no further than Collateral Cinema, the only movie podcast that matters. We analyze good movies, we analyze bad movies, and yes, we also analyze the in-betweens of the world of cinema. So if you like what you hear, find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. And yes, my friends, we are 420 friendly. So when you listen to us, smoke smoke it if you've got got it. it. And now... Here's a new episode of Collateral Gaming. The show starts right now. I'm Ashley Chancellor. And I'm Dan Rockwood. And this is Collateral Gaming with... Victims and Villains. Collateral Gaming, the only video game podcast that matters, where we focus on good games, bad games, and everything else in between in the world of gaming. We are podcasting straight from somewhere in South Texas, and yes, my friends, we are a 420-friendly podcast, so whatever you have, smoke it if you've got it. Uh, Welcome back, Dan, and Happy New Year, man. Happy New Year to you. Welcome to 2023. Uh, We're just a few days into it, but how's your year been going so far? I don't know. I'm looking at your cat, bro. Yeah, he is a cute cat, and I just (laughs) fed him, but I already think that he wants more food already. (laughs) Yeah, no, uh, my New Year's been great, uh, you know, and and the end of the year was awesome, too. I mean, uh, Christmas was fun. Got to see my little girl open some gifts, and uh, I even got a Nintendo Switch gift card, bought myself Final Fantasy VIII and a collection of... uh, Street Fighter games, I believe, because we're going to be doing a arcade game mega review on Fighters. So, ooh, nice. Yeah, I actually had a had a great Christmas, had a great New Year. Uh, did you get any games for Christmas, or what have you been playing lately? Yeah, so I didn't get uh, any games specifically. I'm kind of hard to shop for because I just I buy what I want, uh, especially when it comes to games. So, you know, people will get me gift cards or stuff like that, but. I uh, I did end up um, being able to play a good amount of games over the few days that I had off around New Year's. And so I have been, this year has been hard with like beating games. I haven't finished very many games um, because I'm playing like JRPGs that just take so long and, and stuff like that. So New Year's Day, I did finally beat uh, Pokemon Violet. And then almost immediately after that, I beat the Splatoon 3 campaign. So I've been doing some good stuff on my Switch uh, and then, you know, still still chipping away at God of War, still playing Persona 5 Royal. So that's kind of where uh, I'm focusing a lot of my time now uh, before we get into the 2023 releases, which Forspoken comes out like two and a half weeks, three weeks from now, and I'm going to be all over that. So yeah, time is uh, time is the most valuable resource right now. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Well, as for me, uh, lately I have actually uh, finished the main story of God of War Ragnarok. Uh, Zach actually beat the game 100% and sent me his uh, platinum trophy today. (laughs) Damn, that's impressive. By the way, uh, obviously Zach and Megan are not on today. Just uh, scheduling conflict after scheduling conflict, and we just decided, fuck it, we got to get this recorded, so... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but, uh, but we're here and, uh, yeah, so 
yeah, I did end up beating the main story for God of War Ragnarok. Got some loose ends to tie up. Obviously, I've been playing A Link Between Worlds. I even started A Link to the Past, and I got as far okay. as beating the Swamp Palace again, which is as far as I got before. So uh, nice. I think I'm now in the Skull Woods. And I've actually been enjoying that. I've been kind of comparing and contrasting because obviously, you know, the world's very similar between, uh, or the world's plural are mm-hmm. between both games. And let's see, played a little bit of Modern Warfare 2. Uh, I don't play a lot of first-person shooters or uh, multiplayer games for that matter, but Megan had actually recommended Modern Warfare 2. We were thinking about cool. doing maybe a bonus round episode on it, so I got it, played a little bit of that. Uh, I'm trash, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I got into some of the multiplayer lobbies, the campaign, did some Warzone 2.0, and that's been pretty fun. Uh, what else? Crisis Core, Final Fantasy VII Reunion. Mm-hmm. We did an episode on that, so obviously I've been playing that. Uh, played a little bit of uh, FF7 Remake, even. And... Nice. Final Fantasy is one of my biggest like gaming blind spots. It's just never a series that I picked up or really got into. I did demo a little bit of Crisis Core at New York Comic Con, and that was a lot of fun. So I feel like if I'm going to pick up a game, that would probably be the one that I'll gravitate towards. So we'll see. But uh, obviously, a lot of people love that series and for good reason. So it seems cool. So I'm like you. I had never really gotten into the Final Fantasy series. I have had, it was another series that I had kind of a blind spot. No particular reason. I just never picked up. Uh Bo is really really into Final Fantasy 7 and he likes a lot of the other games too, but uh I think that that one in particular is like a big one for him and having played both that and the remake, I can understand mm-hmm. why. It's it's easily made its way into my top 10 if not top 5 games and if you like the like action rpg of crisis core which is a spinoff you might like final fantasy 7 remake because uh it's also a real-time action rpg but they kind of blend it with some of the turn-based mechanics from the original and it, they're both games are phenomenal i re- highly recommend both the original and the remake <laughs> that's awesome and i do have the remake through playstation plus i think it was one of their games a while back so uh-huh. i own it i have access to it i uh, i just need to install it and find the time to play it at some point yeah <laughs> But uh, I think that's it. Uh, pretty soon, I should was I think Zach and I are going to start playing It Takes Two, so we can get ready for our oh, next cool. episode. Uh, and uh, probably going to be playing. I love It Takes Two. Um, it's so good. Have you played it before? Is this your first time? I've never played it before, so. Uh, have a great time that game is made or break by the person you're playing with so i i hope zach is a good partner for you in that (laughs) regard and uh, you guys are able to work together um my wife and i played through it together last year and it it was just so so much fun um and it brings together a lot of different like gaming genres which is super cool so it's honestly a really great game for people who don't typically play games because it gives them uh, some really good introduction to like many different game types. So there's like some RPG elements and there's some even like shooter elements and uh, and stuff like that. So, so it's such a great game with a cool story. And of course the game awards at one game of the year last year. So it's, uh, you know, definitely critically acclaimed and, and well-received in that regard too. But I love it and I'm, I'm really excited uh, for you to play and check it out. Nice. Yeah, I'm really excited as well. Oh, and one more thing. I did also start playing the original Silent Hill. So that uh, that's something I got to do. I want to play those original games so badly. 
Yeah, I, I had played through quite a bit of Silent Hill 2, but I had not played their first game. So I, I did actually pick that up just the other night and got lost into it. But uh, I think that's all the games I've been playing lately. Um, I don't really think there's any additional news we need to cover. Um, Not really. I just saw, so I, I have like zero information about it, but Sony just announced... Uh, they're releasing an accessible, it looked like an, a, a controller, like an accessibility controller uh, for people with disabilities to um, to play. And that uh, looks to be compatible with PlayStation VR. This is literally released on their blog like an hour ago, I think. So I don't wow. have a ton to, to talk about because I don't, I don't know that much about <laughs> it. Uh, but, you know, more people being able to play games is always a good thing. So that's awesome. And uh, I'm excited to see what that's going to be. And uh, PlayStation VR 2 launches next month. Um, I was super excited for it. The only reason I'm not getting it is because it literally costs more than my PlayStation 5. And I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. I don't oh, want to yeah. pay more for what, in my opinion, is a peripheral than I did for the console itself. So I'm going to wait for that price to come down and then pick it up when it's a little bit cheaper. Yeah, yeah, no, fuck that. I, I understand. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, awesome. Well, I guess let's go ahead and let's get back into the worlds, plural, of uh, The Legend of Zelda, A Link Between Worlds, because, man, uh, we, we, we covered the gameplay last time. I'd love to kind of get into the characters, the story, maybe the music, because I don't think we really talked about the soundtrack. Absolutely. So this is really funny. Um, and I've I've got kind of a, a summary of, of the game pulled up. But before I really go over that, so I played this game, you know, we're coming up almost 10 years ago now is when I played through this game. So <laughs> I have really fond memories of it, but I'm trying to think of the story and you had just replayed it recently. So you're you're very familiar. But so if my I'll, I'll tell you what I remember, I remember and this is where when I'm trying to think about it. I'm I'm remembering things, and then I was like, no, wait, that's Link's Awakening, which I played much more recently. Um, but I know, you know, you have Link, and you have Hyrule, and you have all the dungeons uh, in Hyrule, but then you also have Low Rule, which is, I believe it was the Dark World in uh, in Link to the Past, and so Low Rule is, is that, that version of that. Um, and you have to, uh, you know, Zelda is either um kidnapped or or locked in a painting or something along those lines and you have to be able to save her that's about the extent of what i remember from the story so i'm excited because i feel like just talking about this and hearing you talk about it we're going to unlock some of my own memories and and we'll see where this episode takes us (laughs) nice nice yeah no uh it this definitely awakened a lot of my memories as well because i mean i think i had a broad uh idea of the story but you know not too far so, I mean, basically, this does take place some unspecified amount of time after A Link to the Past. Not too far in the future, because Hyrule still looks generally the same. I would say maybe only 100 years or so, instead of hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a new Link. The events of A Link to the Past are mentioned. Uh, and, I, and I believe, retroactively, we've established that both uh, Link's Awakening, which is the direct sequel to Link to the Past, and the Oracle games take place between these. That makes sense. The, the Zelda timeline, I mean, it's so kind of convoluted on its own when you try to, like, piece the games together. But also, I like how you said, you know, this maybe like 100 years past. 
it's so i feel like there's no consistency in zelda games with how long or before you know each game is set because in some cases it's like oh a hundred years since this previous game you know this takes place um i think wind waker was on the timeline of like hundreds of years uh as as you know the the world flooded and they were trying to you know wait for the hero to arrive but then you get to breath of the wild which i'm pretty sure references to like ten thousand years uh from you know when the ancient beasts when they were like originally created and it's just like okay how how long like i almost feel like just a religious like zealot being like oh you know the world isn't millions of years old that's ridiculous like dinosaurs never existed um but it's like how old is hyrule like how many tens of thousands of years are we going back that's a story that i want to know give me give me (laughs) prehistoric legend of zelda that's what i want to see you're right like do like the far cry primal of zelda (laughs) i mean or are we in prehistoric zelda and what we want is future zelda which would also be super weird i don't know that that series could go in so many different directions and I'm, i'm just here for all of it i love it yeah, no, like, and specifically Breath of the Wild, I, I'm glad that you brought that up because the implication with Breath of the Wild is actually really interesting. So it's been, you know, like uh, 10,000 years plus, right? Something like that. Thousands, tens of thousands of years since uh, they had a uh, an ancient technological society. And, and, and that doesn't even account for all the time it took for the rest of the games in the timeline to develop futuristically however many hundreds or thousands of years it took then and then the time gap. So that was quite a bit of a shift I, it, it, the way I see it. A link Between Worlds is interesting because I think, like I said, it's it's a lot more connected to uh, a previous game. Uh, uh, game with its own incarnation of Link and Zelda and Ganon. So, mm-hmm. well, I mean, it's it's the same Ganon, but you know what I mean. Uh, so I, that's what what I really like about it is that it's one of the the few Zelda games that actually shares the exact same world, and that's really interesting. I mean, I think we talked about it in part one about how you can kind of go through Hyrule, and it's it's basically the same thing with some minor adjustments here and there. Uh, Low rule even is is very similar to the Dark World, although quite a bit more disconnected. And, and they did make some changes, like uh, uh, Turtle Rock is in the middle of the lake. And mm-hmm. the uh, the ice ruins are up on top of uh, Death Mountain or the low rule equivalent of it. <laughs> and so this game deals with really one of the like earliest iterations of a Legend of Zelda story in that the Triforce is capable of granting wishes, right? I think uh-huh. that was in the original Zelda game. I think that was a concept of if you can complete the Triforce, you'll you'll have your wishes granted. And so this game heavily deals with that. The first Zelda game I ever played was Ocarina of Time, which that wasn't really a factor in that game. Um, but it's uh, it was nice having this game come out at the time that it did, kind of return turning to some of those story elements and having the the lore of the Triforce in there because I felt like we had lost a little bit of that with some of the 3D ones. So this was definitely a throwback to some of the more classic titles, not just in the gameplay and the look, but also in some of the storytelling as well. Yeah, yeah, no, I, this was 100%. I mean, I think this is like the first technically 3D, 2.5D Zelda game that actually took place uh, back on the Downfall timeline, which is really interesting. So it, there's a lot of callbacks, and uh, I think modernizing certain aspects of it, but yeah, I mean, for the most part, they stick to the uh, mechanics 
and items and you know whatnot that was seen in a link to the past so uh they, they added a couple new ones like the sand rod and the tornado rod but i mean other than that it, it, it very much feels like it's a part of that world and and I kind of like that. I I feel like Nintendo has been sort of acknowledging the downfall timeline more and more as of late. Uh, a lot yeah. of people think Breath of the Wild is on the downfall timeline. I think it definitely could be, and this is where I'm so like I'm so curious about Tears of the Kingdom because they've spent so long on this game, and the fact that it's coming out in less than five months. Uh, or just about five months, and we don't know all that much about it uh, is is wild to me. I feel like most other titles will have gotten gameplay demos and things like that. So yeah, I don't I don't know where this is gonna fall or what's gonna uh, end up with it. But Nintendo notoriously tight-lipped about just all of their games, whereas other companies love to talk about everything, and Nintendo just does not. They're like, yeah, go speculate. Just think about what you want, you know, what you want this game to be about. And that's what it will be. And we're not going to give you anything official until like decades later when we release a book that you have to buy to read more about it. Right. <laughs> exactly. And uh, you know, on the topic of the story, what I, what I like about A Link Between Worlds is despite the fact that it borrows so heavily from A Link to the Past, I feel like the story is pretty far removed from it outside of the very basic plot, which is, okay, we're going to go look for the Seven Sages, you know, connects with the Seven Maidens. Mm -hmm. uh, other than that, you know, it's, 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 it's pretty much kind of different. I mean, Link wakes up and actually goes, it's not raining. He doesn't go to Hyrule Castle to go rescue Zelda from prison. He goes and meets up with the blacksmith and he's the blacksmith's apprentice. I think that was also in the Minish Cap, if I'm not mistaken. He also served that role. I think you're right. Yeah, there at least was a blacksmith that you could go for um for certain assistance but i i think you're right uh it had been a little while since i played minish cap also a great zelda game that i definitely highly recommend if, if people haven't checked that out uh but yeah this um it's it's just such a a cool opening and, and cool beginning and the different characters that you meet uh from you know the the apprentice you're apprenticing under the blacksmith um uh, is it ravio is the the salesperson who sets up shop in in link's house and uh kind of kicks them out and then makes you have to let, like rent and buy all those items and stuff like it's just it's it feels different from where other zelda games were more linear in nature this has kind of a linear introduction but then it opens up and allows you to kind of explore and do things how, however which way you would like to yeah i mean starting off i mean whenever you the 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 uh the first dungeon is the eastern palace you have to go there but then after that you get to decide whether you want to go to the palace of the winds or or the uh or whatever it's called and the or or uh, the tower of hera and then once you get to the dark world it's the, you know, the world's your oyster and you can you could uh, approach these in any order something we we i know we did mention in part 1 but uh, that more open-ended nature of the game, I think, allowed uh, for a different type of storytelling. I mean, I think one that was a little bit more character-driven, because, I mean, where, what bits of the story we're getting with this more open-ended format is uh, getting to uh, see into the personalities of the Seven Sages. And while I don't think they're as well-developed as some of the more well-known 
uh, Zelda characters, I definitely think that they have a lot more uh, personality and depth than the Seven Maidens did in A Link to the Past. I mean, each one kind of has their own distinct personality and background. And uh, I even, you know, this time around went out of my way to go inform all of the people that were related to you know, to the sages or, mm. uh, you know, like their family and friends that were worried about them. I, I went out of my way to go visit them and talk to them and let them know after I had rescued each one. <laughs> That's awesome. This is a game. Um, I don't pull my 3DS out as often as I should, especially because there are just so many games I haven't experienced on it yet. But I love using my 3DS when I'm traveling or when I'm camping. And I feel like this would be just a really fun, cozy game to play for like a, a weekend of camping and just have available and, you know, just go like explore these dungeon, uh, dungeons and, and you know, save these different characters and, and go through all the trials that Link has to face in this game. Um, I think that's really, really awesome. Uh, but what do you think of the villains in this game because those are like what I remember most vividly and um, you know talking with uh, with like Yuga and facing off against you know the different antagonists in this game like that is what it really has left a mark like all these years later yes okay so Yuga was a really interesting villain maybe a little bit Girahimi like I can see a little bit of influence mm. there but I think, you know, uh, distinct enough to, to make an impression. So you have Yuga. Of course, Yuga isn't even the true antagonist. Yuga is actually, uh, you know, just uh, uh, following the, the machinations of Hilda. Princess Hilda is actually the mastermind. That's the big twist at the end is that she's been pulling the strings and Yuga was only following her orders. But I think both of them are really interesting as characters. I mean, they're going to be the characters that I think are a little bit more well-developed than the sages were, along with Ravia, who we'll talk about here in a bit. But uh, I actually really, really enjoyed uh, not only getting to know this new antagonist that's not Ganon and actually, you know, uh, spends more time as the antagonist than Ganon does. I mean, Ganon doesn't even actually have any lines in this, I believe. Uh, he just mm -hmm. merges with Yuga and then it's... A combination of the two and then so i i definitely think like giving you get that that time to shine and, and i mean he even made it into hyrule warriors his uh power set is pretty cool he's a fun boss uh yeah he, he was a lot of fun and then i think i think the, the one that really impressed me was hilda hilda was really cool because we get to see this like mirror version of zelda that shares her altruism for her own country her dedication to her people not a bad person not a villainous person but somebody that's been put into a desperate corner you know has been forced into desperation and you know is, is willing to do whatever it takes to protect her people somebody that i think zelda at one point mentions she's not sure if she wouldn't do the same thing you know mm -hmm. or at least implies yeah, I mean, the concept of Hilda, like, ruling over low rule and wanting to, you know, restore her kingdom and um, just trying to do what she can, it, it I mean, it is very uh, reflective of, of Zelda, intentionally so. And so, yeah, it's a concept of, like, you know, would someone do this if they were in the same position, but in, you know, the characters that we tend to root for, like Link, like Zelda. Um, so I think, you know, that's what makes Hilda 
not necessarily, I would say relatable, but it makes her understandable. Like I, I can appreciate, you know, the position that she is in, even as, you know, this villain, um, Ganon, historically, there isn't a whole lot of sympathy for him. <laughs> He's, you know, I haven't really played a Zelda game where it like tries to get to like, you know, the, the sensitive center of Ganondorf, but uh, this one, it definitely shows you more of how, uh, you know, what, like the motivations behind people are what matter. And it really shows that, you know, intentions um, are there and there's going to be difficult situations and it's not always black and white of this is your villain and, uh, and they're evil. There's always going to be some um, nuance there, which I, I just, I like that in games. Cause it's like, no one, you know, in reality, nobody is ever truly like good or evil. You know, there's, there's always a, a give and take for both. And so I, just like when my video game characters showcase that a little bit because it's that's what I find most relatable when you see someone who is imperfect in some way and has those uh, has those flies flaws kind of shining through but most importantly when they're able to find redemption for them um you know those are the stories that I like to I like to be able to relate to and any you know especially like younger people you know kids especially playing this game I would like them to be able to, you know, see and learn from that as well. Um, and what is a Zelda game, if not a learning experience? I mean, most of what I like take in life, I have learned from, if not Zelda, from some video game at one point or another. Hell yeah. No, I agree. I enjoy that we actually have characters that are a little bit more three-dimensional, you know, uh, in this game. That's actually interesting because we talked about how this game is is kind of, you know, three-dimensional in its gameplay, and uh, uh, some of the characters follow suit as well. And, and, of course, we also have Ravio, the Lorulian counterpart to Link, who has the... Again, he's got, like, heroic intention, but not the courage that Link has that defines Link as a character. He's, you know, self-admittedly a coward, somebody that has to borrow the power of a hero. And I guess at some point he realized that his Hyrulean counterpart was who he was looking for, somebody that had the skill set and the courage to, to do what needed to be done. And ultimately, you know, he's just kind of trying to save Hilda from a fate worse than than what he thinks you know is death a fate worse than death actually because you know her having to be responsible for the destruction and uh, of uh, of another world of another kingdom and ultimately i mean we know that these characters are are good at heart because all it takes is a talk from him and she comes back to her senses and you know feels regret and it's one of those moments where it's like man if you had just asked for help you know, Link and Zelda would have helped you, which they do. At the end of the day, mm -hmm. they use the Triforce, and we get to see one of the few instances in the game where we actually see a wish being made. I think Wind Waker and Skyward Sword are the only other notable instances I can think. And uh, they wish for Lowell's Triforce to be restored because it was uh, it was destroyed, uh, and that's what caused uh, Lowell's state to be where it's at, you know? Yeah, so I, I have a problem with this ending. Okay. <laughs> and so just, it's it's a game, it, it doesn't give you free will. Not that I would expect that from a Zelda game necessarily. But here's the thing, because it sets up, and from what I remember is you complete the Triforce and you're given a wish. And so immediately I start thinking as myself, I'm like, oh, what do I want to wish for? I got to decide. <laughs> and then another character, it might have been Zelda. She was like, oh, Link, I know what you want to wish for. Let's wish for their, their kingdom to, to be restored. And I'm like, 
no, that's, that's not what I wanted to wish for. <laughs> what do you mean? And so I feel like I got my wish robbed from me because that's that's not what I would have wished for. Um, but it's a, it's a moment where the game takes that choice away from you and does it to complete the story. So that's my problem with the Link Between Worlds ending. Yeah, I gotta say, none of the times we ever get the Triforce is there ever a choice presented. And maybe that's because like Zelda's not that type of game that you know has you know a kind of choice system like that. But I don't know. I, I feel like that would be a cool mechanic. Like may, maybe they're all like altruistic wishes, but you can kind of have a little bit of uh, free will there. But I mean, I will say that it's a bit of a tearjerk. I think this time I did tear up a little bit seeing, you know, because they don't just outright say it. They say, you know, she's like, Link, you, do you know, do you, uh, I, I know what you, you know, like you said, I know what you, what we want to wish for. Let's make the wish together. And then you see it happen and you see the uh, Hilda and Ravio dejected. And then all of a sudden their Triforce just starts reforming and it's like whoa mm. and i actually kind of you know it, it actually kind of got to me a little bit this time it hit me in the feels i was like oh that's so nice to I be mean, lincoln zelda are such altruistic people that it's like <laughs> i don't know even if they had given you the choice i feel like it would have been so out of character even though technically link is supposed to be a link to the player and is supposed to represent the player somewhat he he always does have i guess a set of characteristics yeah, I mean, he's always, um, I mean, first of all, just, I mean, give me, make multiple endings be a possibility would be really funny for a Zelda game. Like, give me a dog ending, like, uh, <laughs> I, I think it's Silent Hill that does that. Like, you yeah. know, give, just give me the weird endings. Give me one where you can just go join Ganon from day one. I'd be like, oh, okay, and the game just ends and Hyrule just, like, stays as a nightmare forever. Um, but, yeah, with Link being literally the link to the player. I mean, he's designed to not really have a personality, but at the same time, he does have a personality. We know he likes to sleep a lot. We know he really likes food. We know he <laughs> likes to to ride horses and, and is good with a bow and arrow. Like, there are things that can be inferred uh, just based on the gameplay, and we see his facial expressions, and we can hear him scream when he falls from a, from a lot far distance. And so... Uh, there are so many little things that have like created this character of Link over time. And so, yeah, I mean, he has count countlessly uh, gone through and gone on these adventures and have saved this kingdom and saved these people, not to mention the number of side quests that Link will complete. I mean, Breath of the Wild, like he helps build a town. He tracks down people to build a new town that was not there before. So he has these, at his core, this desire to be of assistance um, and of course, Breath of the Wild has his backstory of literally being a knight and being a guardian of Zelda. So he he has those, you know, that in itself was was a character choice before the player takes control of him. He had this life where he became a knight um, in Skyward Sword. He was a knight in training. So there's just a lot of things that the development team has put in over the years to kind of give you an idea of who Link is as a character, even though he doesn't have dialogue and even though he's not necessarily meant to be the most expressive character. There's still things we can see. And that's why, yes, for this ending, it does make sense for Link and Zelda to make the choice that they make. I just want the choice to, I, I want to be able to just make the wrong decision and, and let Zelda uh, Zelda game end and, and give me the bad ending and you know credits can roll and it can say, you made a bad decision, please play again. That's well, what I would like. 
And with the franchise, you know, uh, subverting conventions as of late and trying out new things that might be a good idea actually something experimental like give you a little bit of choice there even if it's just an ending choice it's like i I could see that i mean it would be kind of cool to see that and maybe you get you get a bad ending and it's an instant game over and it just reloads it and then you can just make the right choice again but even that i feel like would be would be kind of cool it would it would be a i think a lot of fans would would uh would enjoy that so i could definitely see the merit of what you're saying Uh, And with this game trying out so many new experimental things, you know, it's almost something that you might even, you might even think of. So, not a bad idea. Absolutely. Yeah. But, So, I mean, this game, I feel like this game came along at an interesting time, too. So, it was released in, in 2013, right? Um, it was around the time, not all that long after the Wii U was released, and um, the Switch came out in 2017. So this predates the Switch by about four years. But this was really one of the last major titles that I, I can remember of the 3DS era. There were some that came after that. I know we got some some Pokemon games after the fact and, and other, you know, other games I'm sure people are going to at me at that I'm not referencing now. But I know the 3DS got other games. But for uh, a main, you know, major or, or big Zelda release like this, it was really one of the final, like, big titles of that console, at least for me. And um, with Nintendo... You know, at that point, I think being all in on on the Wii U was not quite considering bringing their their console and and handheld hybrid into existence. I do know around 2015 they were already starting to uh, to look at the Switch as a um, as something that they were developing. Um, Reggie Fizeme uh, published a book. Um, earlier this year or, or last year at this point in 2022. And basically, I believe when um, when the when Satoru Iwata was in, you know, having his health issues and he passed away in 2015, uh, Reggie went out to meet with him. And uh, in the book, he describes that he, you know, at the Nintendo Japan um, headquarters there there was already prototypes there for the switch and that was as far back as 2015 so this game uh does not feel in that sense all that far removed from what the concept of the nintendo switch was um which is why in i mean i i love the 3d mechanics of the 3ds if they were to add those to the switch i, I would not complain i think they were really cool um, but this would be a great game to bring to uh to that platform like you know, re-release it, allow people to be able to play it and get it on Switch. Um, it would just be a, a, a huge uh, a huge win for that console, I feel like, and would make sense to have.
thank you for bringing that up because I agree. This game does need to get ported over to Switch. And mm-hmm. I was thinking it would actually work quite well. I don't know if I brought this up in the last part or not, but I I could definitely I was even kind of like thinking about the controls and how the additional buttons on the Switch could actually work and if for once they actually wanted to implement the touchscreen of the Switch in game, they could even <laughs> have the touch controls from the original game as an option still. Uh the one major change I guess I would make is at least uh, let you pause the game while you're putting pins on the map. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that could be helpful. Yeah, yeah, and also maybe like different types of pins so you could actually put like the like the weapon or the item uh, shapes or something so you would know. Okay, I need a bow for this. I need a bomb for this. Yep. I will say that those pins are definitely very useful, and playing in a link to playing a link to the past and not having those is so much harder. Or playing any older Zelda game, even like Hell Ocarina of Time, it's like you go and you see something, and you got to just visually, like mentally remember. Okay, there's an item here, or there's something I can get mm-hmm. here that I don't have the right equipment. <laughs> so I'm really glad that a link to the past implemented that, and I'd love to see them kind of expand on that those features a little bit, uh, modernize it a little bit. But I, I would love to see a link between worlds come to Switch, and then I would love to also see a link between world style remake of a link to the past brought to switch Mm -hmm. because that game is in desperate need of a remake yeah i think that that is well i think the games that we are most likely or maybe ones that i'm I'm just hoping that get the remake treatment next would be oracle of seasons and oracle of ages i feel like oh i agree 100 percent for those games so those are the ones that i i think we would get next and then uh, potentially a link to the past. Um, but, you know, Nintendo is almost always going to do the thing that you least expect them to do. Right. So we're we're going to get, you know, something that we're not going to be able to predict. Um, but that, uh, you know, and I think the, the whole idea, like they remade Link's Awakening, right? And so that motivated me to go back and play the original on my Game Boy Advance SP. And then when the remake came out, I played through that as well. So I was able to play through it twice. Um, and I think that if they were to do that with any of the other older Zelda titles, that would be beneficial and, and people would be into that and would would buy it and want to play it and, and check out those games. Um, but yeah, and it's funny, you mentioned the, uh, the touchscreen on the Switch earlier, because I can't think of any game that really uses the touchscreen in any kind of meaningful way. Uh, maybe there are some indie titles that rely on it more, but I just cannot, the, there's no point where I feel like I've used that touchscreen in, in any way. Yeah, it's weird, right? Because uh, you would, I, I understand that the games are, are kind of moving, they're moving away from that sort of, that, that, that sort of gimmick and, and they're kind of moving more towards, you know, just your traditional gamepad. And, and I get that, but put the option in there. I mean, yeah. allow us to use the touchscreen. I can, I can even think of like Breath of the Wild. I, I think even the Wii U version of that game doesn't use the touchscreen. Not at all. That's one of my biggest issues with Breath of the Wild because I played through it completely on Wii U. Uh, I did not pick up a Switch at launch. And so they did not, um, they they abandoned the development, um, not abandoned it, but they did not use the uh, the gamepad at all to the point where it just kind of flashes, the screen flashes and just says like, basically tap to play on the uh, the gamepad or leave it alone to play it on the TV. And it's like, you could have put a map there. You could have had your weapon selection there. Like there's a lot of cool stuff they could have done that they opted not to. And that was the last major game of the Wii U. Um, and they, uh, they didn't, they just, they, 
you know, didn't do the main feature that they had advertised the Wii U to have, they didn't do anything with it, which was pretty disappointing to me. Yeah, and that may have had something to do with the fact that they were developing it for, developing it for both systems. I wonder if that maybe had something to do with it, and it was just too much trouble to put the implementation in the Wii U version, but not the, the Switch version. But I, I agree with you. I actually started with the Switch version, had my Switch stolen. Yeah, because I actually bought oh, yeah. a Switch for Breath of the Wild, because even though I had a Wii U, but I, I wanted to play it on the Switch. I wanted to take it with me on the go. I wanted the best experience. So I, I waited... And I and I, I didn't even get it at launch, but I, I got it. You know, I got a switch with the game as soon as I possibly could and fell in love with it. Um, and then my switch got stolen. So I didn't have a switch for a while. I later bought the game on Wii U. So I've experienced mm-hmm. it both ways. <laughs> and then I, yeah. I got a switch again and, and uh, redownloaded the game. So, <laughs> well, that is good. I'm sorry to hear that it was stolen. That sucks. Um, I, I don't like when when bad people steal things. It's not good. Yeah, and all my progress in Breath of the Wild was gone. I mean, I'd put like oh no, like five hundred hours into the game or something crazy like that. Like no joke. Wow. And I hadn't done everything there was to do, but almost everything. I'd gotten uh, all of the shrines, the main quest, every side quest, and I'd gotten half of the Korok scenes, enough to expand your inventory. Wow. Okay. Completely. So, That's a lot. And I lost all of that progress. I did uh, all the DLC and everything. And mm-hmm. yeah, just to be disappointed and then have to, but it's okay because, um, you know, it, it enabled me to start over the game a couple of times and, uh, you know, fall in love with it again. But yeah, <laughs> that's true, and and that's a great game to just like play through multiple times, um, and do something a little different every time and and all that. So definitely, uh, you know, that's uh, a bright side to it. Um, but yeah, we had, I mean, the switch and I just read a a report today, which I'll just, I'll call it, um, you know, uh, generously call it a rumor, but it's like, oh, you know, tears of the kingdom is the last like major Nintendo game in development for the switch as of right now. So that either means that they're focusing on tears of the kingdom and there isn't another thing coming. Although we are supposedly getting Pikmin four this year, um, Metroid prime four will probably get in like 2030 who knows. Uh, but that will, uh, <laughs> you know, those will come along, but I do think we are going to get some kind of successor to the switch probably in the next couple of years. Um, I don't know if it's going to have the Switch name or if they're going to change it up completely, but I do think the level of success they've had with the Switch, I don't think they're going to want to stray too far from that formula. So we'll see what Nintendo has. Like I said, everything they do is going to be unexpected. So they you know, might go back to like the Wii U 2 or, or something and just try to bring that back. Who knows what they're going to do? <laughs> switch to switch you yeah it's interesting to think I, I actually saw that bit of news too where you know any plans that there might have been for that elusive switch pro that everyone's mm-hmm. been wanting uh, has been scrapped in, in favor of just developing a new console and i actually think that's the right move i would love to see nintendo kind of stand up to uh, competitors and and uh have a uh, uh a next generation console that uh, actually holds up to uh, at least at some level, you know, to uh, the specifications of uh, the PS5 and the Xbox Series X and S, because uh, you know, there's there's a lot of opportunity there. I never expect Nintendo to be on par, on par, but I feel like technically they're a couple of generations behind, honestly. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the Switch lags behind the PS4 in a lot of ways, and it came out many years after the PS4. Um, what I have discovered that I want, and my cat is walking on me, but I can <laughs> I can talk around him. Um, good job, Finn. Uh, what, what I want, and a lot of people are like, oh, you know, it should do 4K. They could do stuff with ray tracing. Even high-end PCs struggle with that. When you enter the 4K realm, you can do it, but when it comes to stable frame rates and everything, it takes far more processing power than what I think we can currently get in the system. The PS5 and Xbox are able to do it, but even they need to do uh, you know, dynamic scaling and things to make like 60 FPS work. A lot of the times if you're doing native, native 4K, it's going to be 30. After playing Pokemon Violet, which was just such a cluster of glitchiness <laughs> and bugginess, and I had a lot of fun with that game. I've put probably 30 hours or so into that game so far, but just looking around, like it's low res textures, which just took me out of the game and just the low frame rates. Like Nintendo, give me a 1080p console at 60 FPS that is stable. And like, that's a huge win. That would be, to me, that would be Nintendo next gen if they were able to do that. And that's not that big of an ask, I don't think but no. I still feel like it's going to take a little while for them to get there because it's just not a priority. But if they release, um, you know, an, an update to the Switch or whatever, and they can run any first-party Nintendo game at 60 FPS at 1080, I would be so happy for that. Yeah. No, honestly, that's the dream. I honestly really hope that Nintendo kind of gets... I, I feel like they're sort of on that trajectory, but yeah. And, and being able to, like, take the innovativeness that Nintendo has the the Zelda formula mm. and 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 really make a game that holds up to uh to modern standards and Breath of the Wild gets damn close don't get me wrong but uh I mean it, it I mean as far as like I think the graphics kind of the the, the technologies that they use to bring the graphics to life I, I think that the, the graphics actually do hold up to what oh, yeah. we see today but imagine if they were utilizing uh the technologies that we have on the ps5 the xbox series x and i mean th that would be mind-blowing i mean we, i've seen we've seen how many like unreal remakes of rock ring of time and mm -hmm. like that so i mean just 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 think what could nintendo do with their budget yeah that it would be incredible and i'd love to see a game like a link between worlds with you know those kind of upscaled visuals and and uh you know, and whatnot and, and even you know sounds and that's not to say that this game doesn't look and sound great because it does i think for a 3ds it's, mm -hmm. it's it's definitely one of the better looking and better sounding 3ds uh titles i think so and we talked a little bit about i think you brought up the the music and the audio design of this game like the i mean any zelda soundtrack is is going to have um, really great tracks and it's going to have, you know, the iconic themes and stuff that you recognize. But I feel like the music in this game, especially for the different dungeons and the overworld and just all the places you explore, like the music is something that really sets itself apart from, especially other games on the 3DS. It was just um, designed and orchestrated in such a way that uh, really like added to the whole atmosphere of the game. And that was one of the things that was so cool about this title. Uh, I'm so I'm so sad. Uh, Zach and Megan are both uh, not not on this because they're 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 music nerds and uh, they always have something interesting to say about about the soundtracks. But what I did really enjoy about this is that uh, this is post Skyward Sword, so this is when they started actually using real instruments. 
mm-hmm. instead of synthesized ones, and it really shows. I love hearing even some of the same tracks that we heard in A Link to the Past just done with real instruments, done with, with sound technologies that, that bring them out to their fullest. Uh, you know, that trumpet or whatever that, that they have that, that you hear playing with the high roll and the low roll themes uh, just really brings it to, to the front. And it's like, and the low roll theme is the dark world theme, right? It's the same thing, but it just sounds like how you would expect it to sound with today's technology and with real mm-hmm. instruments. And it's it's amazing. It's beautiful. And one of the things that has always impressed me about Nintendo in general is their ability to do software compression on their games. Um, I don't know what like the actual file size of A Link Between Worlds is, but I'm sure it's not very big because Breath of the Wild on Switch was not very big. Um, it might be the digital version of Breath of the Wild might clock in at like 12 or 13 gigs. I don't have the, the size directly in front of me, um, but compare that to like a God of War or a Call of Duty, which were, you know, going between 80 and 100 gigs. And it's like, how does Nintendo do this? How do they, uh, you know, how do they get the compression down so well and make their games run well on their consoles? Um, there's a part of me that would love to see Nintendo go um, as a, become a software publisher and publish their games on PS5 and Xbox. And I feel like we might get better running Zeldas. But at the same time, the ability for them to compress and truly optimize and fine tune these games for the consoles that they create. Um, I mean, no, no other company does that like, like Zelda. And I say that, or like Nintendo. And I say that as like a huge Sony fan, a, a growing Xbox fan. Um, but there's just something about N- Nintendo games that has always set itself apart and that no other company is like um and I'm, I'm loving god of war ragnarok i'm having a great time it does not emulate the same feeling i got from playing something like uh a link between worlds or like when i was playing pikmin or any of the metroid prime games there's just something uniquely uh nintendo about those experiences and that's why i'm excited for nintendo to keep you know making more games and and come out with more stuff. I want to see what they're doing next. So we'll uh, hopefully have some good stuff to look forward to as we go through 2023. Hell yes, brother. Well, I think that's a good note to sort of wrap things up here. I know you were uh, not wanting to stay up too late, but uh, any final thoughts on The Legend of Zelda, A Link Between Worlds? Uh, This game is really awesome. Um, I had mentioned on part one of this episode, this was the first like 2D Zelda game, even though it's a more like 2.5D type Zelda game that I had played. Um, But I had so much fun with it. It's definitely a game that I want to revisit and play through. Um, I am in the midst of uh, moving right now. So uh, once things calm down from that, I will uh, be able to, you know, pick up some more games and really focus on that. Uh, But it's just so much fun. If you haven't played it yet and you're listening, um, definitely check it out. If you have a 3DS, you can um, pick up a secondhand copy somewhere. Um, If you don't have a 3DS, you know, consider picking one up. There's a lot of really cool games on there. And hopefully we'll see it come to Switch someday. And I would love that. And I would definitely um, pick it up and buy buy it again there and uh, and play it through there. So we'll see what the future of the series has to hold for sure. But yeah, man, I love this game. And uh, and thanks for having me on to talk about it. This has been really cool. Yeah, thanks for being on, bro. Uh, Happy to have you on uh, later this season and uh for uh you know future seasons as well it's it's been a blast uh, as for my final thoughts uh linked between worlds i think is is one of the more uh overlooked zelda titles if you have mm-hmm. a 3ds 
I would definitely recommend checking this game out, uh, whether you're a Zelda fan or even if this is the first Zelda game you'll play. It's actually a fantastic entry point. Uh, for a game that obviously borrows so heavily from A Link to the Past, I'm surprised at how much identity this game has on its own. I mean, going back to you know like the soundtracks, uh, they even added you know one of the mo the bi uh, bangers, like one of the biggest bangers of the franchise with the Laurel Castle theme. It's just so good, and uh, the the graphics, you know, the switch between two uh, D and, and and three D, the more open ended format that kind of paved the road for Breath of the Wild. Uh, you know, and just trying different things out. I love what Nintendo experiments, you know, it's like we, we know the Zelda formula and that's still very much intact here, but let's play around with a little bit. Let's tinker. And it, it, it makes me excited to see what Nintendo will do in the future with this franchise. Absolutely. And I feel like it's only a matter of time. I mean, if we get something similar in this art style to um, A Link to the Past, or if we even get a, a sequel potentially to A Link Between Worlds or something. I mean, I feel like this is one of those Zelda titles that in 10 or 20 years, uh, Nintendo will just pull it out of nowhere and it will we'll be able to revisit this world again, whether that is in a remake or a re-release or um, just a game that is built off of the, the same ideas of it. Um, I think it's definitely something where we'll, we have not seen the last of the link between worlds. So it's only a matter of time until we uh, revisit it in some way. So Nintendo, if you're listening, I know you're not, but if you are, <laughs> yeah. remaster this game, port it to Switch. Uh, and remake A Link to the Past uh, in, in this format. And also, uh, like we mentioned earlier, remake uh, the Oracle games uh, Link's mm -hmm. Awakening style. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Longtime fan of the show, Shigeru Miyamoto and Ayanuma. They'll, uh, they'll, you know, they take our suggestions seriously. So we know they'll be getting on that. Uh, you know, as you know, much to your surprise, this podcast actually gets translated to Japanese uh, specifically for them so that they can uh, so that they can listen and, and take our suggestions. So, you know, we, we appreciate that. Much love to the Nintendo team over there. Miyamoto-san, Aonuma-san, we have our <laughs> deepest respect. Or, or maybe I should say Sensei, Miyamoto-sensei. Mm -hmm. Sensei, because we, we definitely respect your work. Uh, Zelda is just, Zelda is and always will be my favorite video game franchise. So I always get giddy when we're about to do another Zelda game. When I have an excuse to get back into Zelda uh, is always the best part, I think, of Collateral Gaming. It's ultimately what brings a lot of us together, even, like we mentioned in the last episode, because everybody loves Zelda. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, uh, Tears from the Kingdom in May, and then uh, yeah. we're going to be doing Zelda Month again next season in, in December. So look forward to that. So, uh, Dan, where can our listeners find you and, and what's going on with victims and villains with tech Raptor? Yeah, man. Oh, wow. You're remembering and hitting all the stuff that I do. Thanks. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, well, if you want to follow me, I'm over on Twitter at DRock64. I'm not as active as much now, but uh, we'll probably get into that for however long there is a Twitter to uh, be able to retweet and uh, be on. Um, but yeah, I am over also at techraptor.net writing, um, you know, features, previews, reviews. Uh, I 
the one of the latest things I just posted was about uh, Marvel's Midnight Suns, which I've been having a lot of fun with. Um, and I'm taking a little bit of a break now for the month of January, but I'll be coming back uh, in February with um, a whole bunch more stuff to uh, to write about, including some um, tangentially related uh, Zelda type content as well. So if you're into that, you can check me out over there. And of course, um, I am here representing Victims and Villains, um, a podcast where we look at everything from, um, you know, movies, games, we talk about comics, we talk about all kinds of different stuff through the lens of mental health and helping to support um, mental health, particularly suicide awareness, um, and helping people who, uh, who are just struggling with um, any kind of mental illness, whether that's, you know, depression, addiction, anxiety, uh, or anyone who is, you know, struggling in any way. Um, and uh, a big goal over there is working to get resources into um, schools to help people uh, get the mental health resources that they need. Uh, so it's a really great initiative over there. I'm, I'm you know, really happy to have been able to have been a part of what they do. Um, and I was just thinking, because uh, I started my podcasting journey on a show called Pod, um, Pop Culture Explorers, uh, which was um, is going to be uh, almost seven years ago. We started in 2016. Our first wow. episode was actually reviewing uh, Captain America Civil War. And we ended our show probably around 2018. Um, but, uh, you know, Captain Nostalgia uh, kind of picked me up and I was like, okay, can I just podcast with you guys now? And now I come over here on Collateral Gaming and I podcast with you. So I'm, you know, someone who had a show no longer has a show, but has been adopted by these other podcasts. So I definitely appreciate you guys for having me on because this is what I love to do. And uh, it's, uh, it's been a really great time. Hell yes. You're welcome on anytime, man. <laughs> Especially when Zelda is concerned. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yep. And I, I have a feeling I'm going to be on. A, there's a lot of really good stuff lined up for this year, and uh, I'm going to want to talk about it. So I'm um, definitely looking forward to more episodes uh, with all of us together. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, no. Last episode, I was listening back and I, I couldn't stop smiling, man. The, the chemistry uh with all four of us and we were just having a great time so uh go check out part one if for some reason you're listening to part two and you didn't listen to part one because <laughs> <laughs> that was that was a really fun time and uh yeah go check out victims and villains go check out dan's work with tech raptor uh go follow him on twitter and uh yeah also go follow us on twitter instagram facebook and uh, go leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if you feel inclined to do so or feedback on your platform of choice. Uh, we also do have a Patreon where we have exclusive full-length video game commentaries or Let's Play video game commentaries, I should say. And uh, a lot of those include Zelda. So uh, I think we have a Breath of the Wild series that I still haven't finished. That It's been a while since I've touched. And uh, we did actually finish... Uh, uh, link the faces of evil so there's that you can go check out <laughs> our zelda cdi misadventures <laughs> <laughs> oh man that was early that was back in season one but it's up there i think uh, it's the only let's play we ever actually finished i still want to experience those games but as we discovered in episode one it's like thousands of dollars to find both the games and the console at this point oh yeah no you have to emulate it that's that's really the only way unless you're unless you're I don't know, Elon Musk or something. <laughs> Although no, I don't I want know. the authentic experience. <laughs> He's, uh, he, he seems to be losing money. His, his, his stonks are going down. So, uh, yeah, who knows what he's doing? Um, 
yeah that that's a podcast for another day where we just <laughs> we we analyze the slow decline of madness that elon musk is currently experiencing all righty <laughs> well i think that's about it uh next time or actually yeah in the month of january real quick uh we are going to be doing our anniversary special so we're going to be doing something similar to what we did a few seasons ago uh where we're going to do an arcade game mega review uh i would love uh Bo and robert to be on that and uh hopefully uh, Megan and Zach can join us as well, and uh, we're gonna this time we're gonna be getting into fighting games. Last time we did uh, light gun shooters, and this was back in like season two or three, I think. So uh, it's gonna be fun, kind of going back to that, maybe hitting up the local arcade and uh, just seeing what shenanigans we can get up to. And then uh, our numbered episode next month is going to be it takes two. So I am excited about that. As we talked about it before, it's a game I haven't played before. Zach and I are going to be playing together because I do believe that the game does, in fact, take two. It does. Yeah. Famously, it cannot complete that game with just one. It will take two. <laughs> so we'll uh, we'll check that out. And it will take two episodes. That's why we have a two-part structure. So that's perfect. And then also, uh, we're going to be collaborating with Collateral Cinema because we're doing a video game movie, Silent Hill, on Collateral Cinema. So uh, on the uh, bonus round this month, we're going to be talking about uh, Silent Hill games. Namely, I believe, the very first Silent Hill game, which is why I started playing it, and Silent Hill Homecoming. So we're, we're doing the, uh, cool. the dichotomy of Silent Hill, good and bad. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, that's. I believe it was 2005 the movie came out, and I want to go back and revisit that because I remember not hating it, and it, it didn't do very well, but I want to like revisit it and just critically look at that as an adult and be like, what was this movie doing, <laughs> and what were they thinking when they made it? So I'll have to go back and revisit that. But uh, yeah, Silent Hill is a series that I feel like I would really enjoy. And like growing up with Resident Evil, like I love those games. Um, I just never really played Silent Hill. So I'm definitely going to play the two remake when that releases. And hopefully I'll play the original um, coming up at, at some point. Just going to make the time to do it. Hell yeah. Alrighty. Well, I think that's about it for tonight. Uh, that being said, I've been Ashley Chancellor. And I've been Dan Rockwood. This has been Collateral Gaming with Victims and Villains, and we are out. Hut, hut, yeah!
Collateral Gaming is a collateral media podcast. All music and game clips are owned by the respective creators and are used for educational purposes only. Please don't sue us. We're poor.